The following sermon, entitled Praying for Our Daily Bread, was preached on the evening of May 22, 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's open God's Word this evening to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we will read the first 15 verses and then verses 25 through 35. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 and the subsequent explanation of it the next day, or at least the first part of that explanation. John 6, beginning at verse 1. This is God's Word. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed Him because they saw His miracles which He did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there He sat with His disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up His eyes and saw a great company come unto Him, He saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when He had given thanks, He distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would, that is, as much as they wanted, And when they were filled, He said unto His disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Now we go to verse 25, which is the next day. And when they, that is the multitude, had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek Me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For Him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto Him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on Him whom whom He hath sent. 
They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. We end our Scripture reading at that point. It's on the basis of this passage and many others that we have the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 15, which treats the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread. Lord's Day 50, which is the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread, that is, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body that we may thereby acknowledge Thee to be the only fountain of all good and that neither our care nor industry or even Thy gifts can profit us without Thy blessing and therefore that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it in Thee alone. Lord's Day 50 is the third time that the Heidelberg Catechism has taken up the subject of physical, material goods. Catechism broached this subject back in Lord's Days 9 and 10, which set forth the truth of God's fatherhood as well as His providence and taught us that as our Father, as the God of providence, He provides for His people. The Catechism circled back to this subject a second time in Lord's Day 42 in connection with the Eighth Commandment where we were taught that we are not to steal, but instead we are to labor diligently. We are to work in order to obtain the things that we need. And now for the third time, the Catechism treats the whole topic, the concept of physical, material goods, this time from the perspective of our prayer that God would provide what we need. The fact that the Catechism treats this subject three times is instructive for us. And it teaches us that while indeed the focus of the Christian life is on the spiritual, that we are to set our hearts on the things above and not on the things of this earth, that does not preclude giving thought, attention, and even prayer for such things as our daily bread. In other words, it's not a matter of piety to suppose that daily bread is unimportant for Scripture itself teaches us otherwise. And we see that here, even in this passage of Scripture that we read. For while the emphasis in John 6 is on the spiritual, the whole truth that Jesus Christ is the bread of life, 
Jesus does still feed the multitudes. He does not send them away hungry, but He provides for them their daily bread. And it's with that in mind that we take time to consider the fourth petition. That is, we do not skip over the fourth petition supposing it's not important relative to the petition surrounding it, the first three or the last two. But recognizing that this too is a part of the Christian life, we look at this petition that God would give us our daily bread. So the theme for this evening's sermon is very simply praying for our daily bread. And there are essentially three prayers we pray. Provide it. Bless it. And thanks for it. And those three aspects of this prayer are the three points of the sermon. Praying for our daily bread. Provide it. Bless it. And thanks for it. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And in teaching us that petition, He was teaching us to ask of God that He would provide for us, that He would give to us the basic necessities that we stand in need of. That's the idea of bread. And that comes out in the Catechism. The Catechism interprets, give us this day our daily bread to mean be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body. So it's broader than just bread itself, but bread in most parts of the world is the the staple, the most important element of the diet for most cultures. And therefore, bread is representative of all that we stand in need of from a physical point of view. It includes food and water, but it also includes Shelter and clothing, it includes sleep. And really, it goes broader than that. For daily bread includes even the, the means that we need to obtain these things and to enjoy these things. For example, in Deuteronomy 24, verse 6, God forbids ever taking the upper or lower millstone of your neighbor as a pledge. The millstone being that tool, that instrument they would use to grind their grain in order to produce the flour in order to make bread. And the fact that God forbid ever taking that in a pledge was indicating that's a necessity. That's a part of what constitutes one's overall daily bread because that millstone was needed in order to convert the grain ultimately into flour and thus into food. So daily bread has a a broad connotation. And Martin Luther certainly understood this. Martin Luther in his shorter catechism in which he too explains the various petitions of the Lord's Prayer, explains his understanding of what's all included in daily bread. And he gives quite the list. This is what he had to say, that our daily bread is, quote, everything included in the necessities and nourishment for our bodies such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, farm, fields, livestock, money, property, an upright spouse, upright children, upright members of the household, upright and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, 
decency, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like. End quote. It's quite the list. And maybe there's some things in there that we would not expect to show up. And even if there are some things where we would say, let's not put that under the category of daily bread, the overall point is still valid. When we're praying for our daily bread, we're praying for all that we stand in need of from a physical point of view. And it is entirely appropriate to pray for those things. We say that over against the mentality of some in church history who have deemed such a prayer for physical material goods to be inappropriate. It's not spiritual enough of a prayer. This was true of some of the early church fathers such as Tertullian. Tertullian's view of this petition is that Christ was not teaching us to pray for physical bread, but instead it has to be the bread of life that is for Christ Himself. Because otherwise, this prayer would be too trivial. It would be meaningless. And while we can appreciate Tertullian's desire to focus on Christ as the bread of life, such an interpretation is a a wrong understanding. That's not the point of the petition. From the, the language of the petition itself, give us this day our daily bread, it's clear that Christ is teaching us to pray for the basic necessities of life. And that's not an unspiritual prayer because even in praying, God, give us this day our daily bread, we still have a a spiritual purpose in view. And that comes out when we link this fourth petition to the previous three. We're praying for our daily bread with a view to fulfilling the first three. That is, Give us this day our daily bread so that we might glorify Thy name, so that Thy kingdom might come, so that we might do Thy will. So even in this petition, we ultimately have a spiritual purpose in view. This is an appropriate prayer. And that's true also because we're asking God to give us this day our daily bread. We're not asking God to give us an abundance of things. We're not asking Him to fill our storehouses or to give us large bank accounts. We're asking God to give us the basic necessities, the things that we truly stand in need of. And now, there are times where God gives to us far more than what we need. There are times that God gives us an abundance of things. But there are also times that God gives us only what we need for the day. That was true for the people of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness. As they lived off that manna, God gave to them each day their daily bread. He gave them the basic necessities of life. And understand, God was still answering this prayer. That is, if all that we have are the basic necessities, God is still being faithful and providing for us. That is, if we all went home tonight and though there was 
By the end of the night, no food in any of the cupboards. No food in the fridge or the freezer. But yet, we all went to bed tonight with our stomachs full and a roof over us. God has given us our daily bread. Would you be satisfied with that congregation? By nature, no, we would not be. By nature, we want much, much more than our daily bread. We want that abundance. We want that sense of security from having a large bank account. We want food for weeks, for months in store. But Jesus taught us to pray this petition, give us this day our daily bread in order to address that covetousness that's found within our hearts. Jesus is teaching us by the very wording of the petition to be content with the things that God has given to us. So may God grant us such contentment. May He keep us from making the physical, the earthly, the main thing. May He deliver us from a love for money. So when we pray this petition, we are asking God to provide for us our daily bread. To give us the basic necessities. Now having considered what it is that we are praying for, still within this first point, we want to ask the question of why. Why would God have us to pray for our daily bread? And we ask that question because do not these things come to us even without our prayers? God gives bread to the wicked after all, and they're not asking for it. And does that not mean then that it's ultimately my work, my labor that brings in the bread? Why would I pray to God when it's up to me to procure it? When we'll answer that question, we pray to our Heavenly Father because He is the one who provides our daily bread. That's true because He's the God of providence. We sang about that when we sang a versification of Psalm 104. Psalm 104 is all about how God not only sends the sunshine and the rain, but even causes the very grass of the field to grow for the trees and the plants to bring forth fruits and vegetables to provide for the creation. That's God's work. That the earth brings forth food for the creatures of this earth to eat. And it's still God's work when He takes some of this earth's goods and distributes them to His children. To His adopted children in Christ. Yes, He provides for the wicked, for those who deny Him, but He has a special care for His own dear children. And when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're acknowledging that. From a certain point of view, this is a confession of faith that yes indeed, my food is coming to me from God's hand as it were. And it was with that in view that no doubt Jesus prayed the prayer that He does in this account with the posture that He did. In John 6, verse 11, we read of Jesus praying 
just before a meal. And Jesus took the loaves, and when He had given thanks, He distributed them. And now, there's no mention of His posture here, but in the other Gospel accounts, we read that He did this looking up to heaven. That was His posture in prayer. And there are other passages, both in the Gospel accounts as well in the Psalms, that speak of praying while looking up to heaven. And for one to pray such a petition at a mealtime in which he's giving thanks to God for that food is to acknowledge that that food is coming from God. That He is the One who has provided us with our daily bread. So God is the One who provides our daily bread. That's why we pray to Him. But now that brings up the next question. Well, how then does our work factor in? God calls us to labor after all. Why would He command us to work if He's just going to give us this bread? Well, in answer to that question, we begin with a negative. The idea is not that it's my labor that is the ultimate reason or explanation for why we have our daily bread. Because the reality is that we can toil, we can labor all we want, but it could all come to nothing unless God sees to it that our bread comes to us. Think of the farmer, for example. He can diligently plant his crops in the springtime. He can faithfully tend to them all throughout the summer. But the harvest is in God's hands. Whether there is a harvest is ultimately up to God. He gives the increase. And that's the principle that we find in such passages as Psalm 127, verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The principle here is that all of our labors themselves are not the reason, the final explanation for why we have this or that. And for that very reason, Scripture warns us Of ever supposing it was my hand that got me this wealth. It was my labors that brought in the daily bread. And we have such a warning in Deuteronomy chapter 8, for example. Deuteronomy chapter 8, we'll read a couple of verses out of this chapter. This is with a view to the people of Israel entering into the land, and God warns them. Deuteronomy 8, verse 10. When thou hast eaten and art full, Then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which He hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping His commandments and His judgments and His statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, Then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God. And he picks up that thought again in verse 17. And thou say in thy heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. Do not suppose 
It's your own strength, your own might that is the explanation, the final reason why you have this wealth. It's God who's given it to you. But at the same time, God most often gives us our daily bread as we work for it. He can very well just give it to us. He did that for the people of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. He just provided the daily bread. He sent it straight down from heaven. And He could still do the same. Jesus Christ did the same. There they all, there are 5,000 people gathered together. And what does He do? He just starts breaking it apart and handing it out and 5,000 people are fed. God is able to give us our bread that way, but that's not the ordinary way in which He provides us our daily bread. God calls us to work, to labor for it. In fact, it's put this strongly in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. This we command you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now when it says would not work, that is he's unwilling to work. That is, if he's able to work but refuses to do so, then he should not eat. And the reason for this command is that God has determined the ordinary way in which He provides us our bread is by means of our labors. He would have us to work for our daily bread or the means to purchase our daily bread. But even then, it's still coming from Him. Even though dad's earning the paycheck and mom's going to the grocery store, that food in front of us on our table, what we ate for lunch today, came from His hand. And the key is to recognize that. To connect the dots, as it were, back up to God. Children, do your parents ever give you dot to dots? Those pictures where there's a bunch of dots and you have to trace them one by one and connect them all together. And only after you've connected all the dots do you have a, the picture made plain that you can see what the drawing was. Well, it's good for us to connect the dots, to go from dot to dot to dot. When it comes to God giving us our daily bread, start at the first dot. The food that was in front of you for lunch today. Where did it come from? Next dot, the grocery store. Mom bought it from the grocery store. Where did it come from from there? Well, probably a, a delivery truck brought it to the grocery store. Where did it, that delivery truck brought it? He got it from the farm or from the butcher. And where did he cut, get it from? Well, the farmer grew it. But now if we keep connecting the dots, we see, well, how did the farmer get it? God blessed the crops. God provided the sunshine and the rain. God kept away the hail and the locust. God is the One who saw to it that everything happened just so, so that the earth brought forth food in abundance, so that the farmer could bring that all in, so that the delivery man could go there and pick it up and bring it to the grocery store, so that when mom goes to the grocery store, there's food to buy, so that when we come home, each night there's food in front of us. Connect the dots and you see God provides. 
our daily bread. And you could do the same thing with the work that He gives to each one of us. We could connect all the dots to see God is the one that gave me labor for my hands so that I might earn an income to provide for my family. And it's in light of all of this that we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We're acknowledging that all things come from His hand. So we've considered for what we are praying. Provide us our daily bread, the basic necessities. We've answered the question, why do we pray this? Because God is the one ultimately who provides us what we stand in need of. And now knowing that truth, that teaches us how we are to pray this prayer. It teaches us the the right manner in which we are to make this petition. And that right manner is to pray this with trusting hearts. With trusting hearts. And that's the catechism. Give us this day our daily bread that is be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body. And now this next part is really the part we just explained. I should have read this at the outset of why we pray this. Now see it in the catechism that we may thereby acknowledge Thee to be the only fountain of all good, and that neither our care nor industry nor even Thy gifts can profit us without Thy blessing. That's everything we just explained why we pray this petition. And now, we come to the how we are to pray this petition. And therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it, our trust, in Thee alone. It's important that we mention this aspect of how we are to pray with trusting hearts because the reality is that the temptation for us is to put our trust elsewhere. And that's even evident from the very wording of the catechism. Notice how it puts it that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures. We need to pull our trust back and the catechism puts it that way because that's our inclination. That's what we're prone to do to put our trust in ourselves or in some creature to trust the means and to suppose that we will get what we need of, get what we stand in need of from something or someone other than God so that even though we pray with our mouths, give us this day our daily bread, what can often be true is that in our hearts we are still put in our trust in something else. What is it you put your trust in, child of God? Is it your work ethic? Your ingenuity or your strength? Is it the means God has given you? Your job? Your employer? Or the economy? Or is it the source from which these things come? Is your trust in Aldi? Is your trust in the shopping mall? Or is our trust in whatever we've saved up, our bank account, our insurance policy, our investments? What are we putting our trust in? God's Word calls us to trust in God. And to trust in Him alone. And that 
has the idea on the one hand of looking to Him, expecting all things good things to come from His hand, but more than just looking to Him to provide, the idea of trust is confidence. Assurance that He will grant me all that I stand in need of. Do we have that confidence? And more specifically, do we have that confidence even as the cost of everything goes up week after week after week? Gas is over $5 a gallon. Food is more expensive with every trip to the grocery store. And then there's the whole matter of the housing market and trying to find a new home as a young married couple. And what can happen as we begin to look at all of these things, we do grow worried. We become anxious. Will He really provide? How are we going to make it? What's going to happen if things continue to escalate in this direction? How are we going to afford the Christian school tuition? And our Father says, trust Me. That's His Word to us, even as it's been His Word to His people all throughout history. That was His Word to the people of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, And He humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that He might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And now it's not saying that God's words become our physical sustenance, but the point is, God would have us to trust Him. To trust in His Word that He will provide what we stand in need of. And consider whether that's His purpose in sending COVID and sending a war in between Russia and Ukraine so that all the prices keep going up and up and up. Why would God do that? Why would He allow this to happen? Thousands of reasons, but maybe probably one of them is this. So that we who are prone to becoming self-reliant learn once again to trust Him. To exercise our faith in this particular matter that God will provide us with our daily bread. And you understand, we have good reason to trust Him. Because He's our Father for Jesus' sake. That is on the basis of Christ's saving work. He has taken us who were the children of wrath and He's brought us into His own family. He's incorporated us into His own fellowship. He's made us His own adopted sons and daughters. And in doing that, He's committed Himself to caring for us, to providing us all that we stand in need of, both spiritually and physically. 
And because He is now our Heavenly Father, He will no less provide for His adopted children than He provides than He would provide for His only begotten Son. That means when we go to Him, He's not going to turn us away. Even as Christ did not turn away the multitudes. Think about that for a moment. 5,000 people come to Him, many of whom just want the bread. They're not interested in Christ Himself. They just want their bellies filled. Most of these people are going to totally miss the point of the miracle. And when Jesus makes clear the point of the miracle the next day, they're going to stop following Him. But Christ still provided for them. He still set food in front of them. And with that reality in mind, if we take that event and apply it to God providing for us our daily bread, our Father is not going to turn us away. He's not going to send us home. Go provide for yourself. But for Jesus' sake, He bids us sit down on the grass while He distributes to us the food that we stand in need of. The clothing, the shelter, the rest, and everything else that's included in our daily bread because He is our Father for Jesus' sake. We have every reason to trust Him. That's how we pray that first aspect of this petition. Provide us, give us our daily bread. But now our prayer is not only provide it, give it. Our prayer is also bless it. That's the second part of this petition. And we pray that because the daily bread in and of itself is not a blessing. That's the teaching of the catechism. Catechism in that middle section says that we may thereby acknowledge Thee to be the only fountain of all good, that neither our care nor industry nor even Thy gifts can profit us without Thy blessing. And now, part of what this section that we just read is saying that we could work all we want, we could be diligent in our labors, but unless God is the one who establishes the works of our hands, it could all come to nothing. But the catechism goes a step beyond that because it does not merely say that neither our care nor industry would profit us without Thy blessing, but it adds in there, nor even Thy gifts. Not even the things that God has given to us would profit us unless He Himself blesses them. And what this is teaching us is that our daily bread, the physical, material goods that we receive, are not a blessing in and of themselves. And the catechism is clearly drawing from Scripture. To mention two passages, the first being the example of this in Numbers chapter 11. In Numbers chapter 11, the people of Israel are in the wilderness and they are murmuring, they are grumbling, they are complaining, particularly about that bread, that manna. We're sick of it. We've been eating it for how many years now? And God responds 
by sending quail. He gives them meat. He gives them exactly what they wanted, what they were asking for. But what was God's attitude in giving that flesh to eat? Numbers 11, verse 33 tells us food was not a blessing in and of itself. Numbers 11, verse 33, and while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against His people. And the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. The point is clear. Such food was not inherently a blessing. See the same thing in Psalm chapter 73. Psalm 73, Asaph is troubled by the fact that all seems to go well for the wicked. They are prosperous. Life is good for them. What's the point of being a Christian? Until Asaph remembers their end and God's purpose in giving them the wicked those things. Verse, I didn't write the verse down. Psalm 73, Asaph is reminded, surely thou didst set them in slippery, slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. In other words, their wealth was not a blessing. It ultimately served their destruction. Now, it's in light of these passages and many others that we reject the whole teaching of common grace. That's the teaching that God has a favorable, gracious attitude toward all mankind, including the non-elect. And the alleged proof is, well, God gives rain and sunshine to both the just and the unjust. He gives daily bread to His people as well as to the wicked. And if He gives them these good things, surely that means He has a a favorable, gracious attitude toward them. But that's not the teaching of Scripture. Yes, God does indeed give the wicked their daily bread. There's no denying that. He gives them many good gifts. And He does that as an aspect of His providence. Just as God cares for the whole of His creation, including the fowl of the air and the beast of the field, so God provides for that aspect of His creation. The the wicked are part of the overall creation. But in giving them those good gifts, that's not evidence. That's not a token of His grace toward them, of some blessing. It doesn't serve their good. And we say that exactly because of those two passages we just mentioned and others, Numbers 11, Psalm 73, which make clear that the gifts themselves, the daily bread, the material goods, are not in and of themselves a blessing. And it's exactly because that's true that we then pray not only provide our daily bread, but now also bless it. Bless it. That's what we teach our children to pray, is it not? Children, this is not catechism, so we will not ask for a show of hands, but how many of you before your meal, have been taught to pray, Lord, bless this food. Bless this food and drink. Forgive my sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. 
That's our prayer. That's our petition. And we're asking God to take those good things that He has given us and use them for our spiritual good that they would indeed profit us. Not just physically, but ultimately spiritually. That's the petition. And now again, we can pray this with confidence. The confidence that God will answer us for Jesus' sake. Because you see, if God has given us the bread of life, Jesus Christ, will He not also surely give us our daily bread? You see, in many respects, our daily bread is but a picture. It's something that provides us nourishment. It gives us strength. By taking in our daily bread, we're given the energy that we need from a physical point of view. Bread strengthens and nourishes our physical bodies. And we need such bread on a daily basis. Yes, we can go some time without eating anything, but ordinarily we take in food regularly, multiple times a day because we need it. And without that daily bread, we would die. We would perish from a physical point of view. Well, all of that is but a picture of the, of the bread of life, namely Jesus Christ. And that is what we need to be reminded of, that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. And that was the main purpose, the main point of the miracle that our Savior performed. He makes that very clear the next day when the people come to Him looking for bread. Jesus teaches them, John 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to Me shall never hunger. He that believeth on Me shall never thirst. Verse 48, I am that bread of life. And what this is teaching us is that just as physical bread nourishes and strengthens our physical bodies. Well, Christ is that bread of life that nourishes and strengthens our spiritual souls, that spiritual aspect of our existence. And just as we need physical bread daily, regularly, so too we need Christ. Not just here and there every every great once in a while, but we need Him every hour. We need constant influxes of His grace toward us. And without that grace, just as we would perish, we would die physically without our bread, so too we perish without our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the good news of the Gospel is that God has given us the bread of life. For He sent His Son into this world to assume a true human nature to take to Himself our flesh and blood. And our Savior then went to the cross of Calvary where His body was broken, where His blood was shed that He might accomplish our salvation. And then after being in the grave for three days, He arose again so that He might give us Himself so that we might partake of 
His body and of His blood by faith in Jesus Christ. God has given us the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And because He's done that, we can be confident then He will take our daily bread and bless it unto us. That's the point. When God gives us our daily bread, it's not sent in His wrath. His anger is not kindled the moment we start chewing it. Nor is God setting His people up in slippery slippery places. But He gives it to us in His love. As a part of His fatherly care for us. He not only provides it, He also blesses it. And it is indeed a blessing no matter how much we have, whether much or little. Because you see, even if God has given us very little from a physical material point of view, even if our lot in life is one of poverty, that too is a blessing to us. Because He knows how inclined we are to set our hearts on the things here below. To make the physical, the material, the main thing. And to lose sight of the spiritual. And so sometimes, for some of His people, He gives only very little of the daily bread that they need, but they still, He still gives them that which they stand in need of. And even their relative lack is sent for their good. And thus, even if we have little, and what is more, even if we have little, we still rejoice because we have what truly matters, namely, the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And now because He not only provides us our daily bread, and because He not only blesses it, is it not our reasonable service to thank Him for it? That too is a part of our prayer thanking God for all that He's given to us. Christ Himself prayed such a prayer of thanksgiving. And that's what we find here in John chapter 6. John 6, verse 11, And Jesus took the loaves, And when He had given thanks, He distributed to His disciples. So just before the meal, Jesus Christ gives thanks unto God. And it's in light of this that we understand the language found in the other three Gospel accounts which speaks of Jesus' blessing. And the idea is not that He's blessing the food before He distributes it, but He's blessing God for the food. He's giving thanks to God. And if Jesus prayed the traditional, customary prayer of the Jews of that day, His prayer would have sounded something like this, Blessed art Thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who bringest forth bread from the earth. But now whatever He prayed, the main point is even the only begotten Son of our God paused before a meal to give thanks for it. And we are to do the same. 
Because God has provided us, given us our daily bread. And the reality is, He's given the vast majority of us much more than our daily bread. He's given us an abundance. And because He not only provides it, but He also blesses it so that it serves our salvation, so that it tends toward our greatest good, we are to give thanks for it. To vocalize our gratitude in prayer to God. And one of the best times to do that is just before or just after a meal. I trust that's the practice of most of us. That at mealtime, either before or after or both, we have our devotions. We open up the Bible. We pray. And a part of that prayer is, Lord, thank, we thank Thee for this food and drink. And if you've ever wondered where that practice comes from, it goes back at least this far to Jesus Christ Himself praying before this feeding of the 5,000, thanks be unto Thee, O God. And thus we follow our, the example of our Savior when we too pause before a meal to acknowledge that what's in front of us on our plate came from God to seek His blessing and to give thanks for it. And may that indeed be a regular practice among us as we are thankful for both our daily bread and the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Father in Heaven, we thank Thee for our Savior, Jesus Christ. The One who feeds and nourishes our souls. And we pray that Thou will also feed and nourish us physically by providing our daily bread. But knowing that that bread cannot profit us apart from Thy blessing, we pray Thy blessing upon it as we enjoy meal after meal. And ultimately, we give thanks unto Thee, our God, because Thou hast so faithfully cared for each and every one of us. Blessed be Thy name, O God. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.